You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. I would say for me, this year has been about discipline. And you know, we've got so many things going on and I know for myself, it's been a little bit of a struggle. Um, We have so many things that are demanding of us, of our time, our talent, our resources. And I can honestly say that, you know, you you get in this marathon and you're, you're like, you're ready to run the race. And like, in order to run the race, you gotta put on your tennis shoes. So that's step one. So don't forget your tennis shoes if you wanna run a race. And I realize that I'm carrying all of these things with me as I try to run this race. And I'm, I'm going and I'm going. And I realized that there's so much that has to happen before the race, so much equipping that has to happen, so much that has to be made so that we can actually run this race. And if you look in your journals, don't you love this beautiful painting? This was painted by our own Miss Donna Cher. And she's so annoyed with me. She's like, I didn't even want recognition for this. I know, thank you. I'll, I'll do it for you. I'm, I'm. So this verse I have on uh, a board that I made in my room, in my office. I, I call it my room because it's my room, but my bedroom is the one that I share with my husband. So the office is my room. And don't even try to put a box in there because I will like laser beam you. So in my room, I have this verse And it seems like this has been the verse of this year for me. It says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy. Amen? Mm. And we got a lot of discipline. You have the discipline that you give your kids where they probably don't like it and you're probably trying to help them to see some things. And we also have the discipline of a runner making their bodies conform to the work that is to be done that discipline. So we look on and it says, for no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful, amen to that. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So discipline is part of something that we are trained by. So as we go into this, I don't know how you feel about discipline, but I don't like it. I think it's stupid, and I wanna punch it in its stupid face. (laughs) But I think as as we mature and as we see the benefit, because there's something very important that has to happen, and it doesn't happen unless we do the work. We're, we're living kind of in Hebrews 12, um, this conference. The, the verse that you have that we're gonna be pulling apart is from Hebrews 12.1. So after he talks about these amazing fathers of the faith and heroes of the faith that have gone and done all of these amazing things, they talk about this cloud of witnesses, and we're gonna get there. But this year, as I'm studying and as I'm going through the year, it seems like I've been living in two chapters and two books, and a couple chapters. The first book that I've been living in is Ephesians. And we've been doing this study with my daughter about identity, and it's in Ephesians 1 and 2, and they talk about your identity in the Lord. 
and they talk about what that is for you. And I think that a lot of times we associate things that are not our identity with our identity. Things like being a wife, being a mother. You have a husband, you have children, but you are not those things. They're not part of your DNA. They don't define you. Did you know that? Those are things that you go through transitionally. And I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what? There is verbs, like there's actually language for that in other languages. And when, I'm, when I was learning Spanish, they have language words for I am and it's a permanent thing that happens and it's just who you are. And then there's a transitional thing that's temporary. And when you talk about marriage and children, you are female, that's who you are. It doesn't change, it's not temporary. But there's temporary things that we actually take on as a part of ourselves, as a part of our identity. I was like, isn't that strange? What happens if, if your children move out of the house? What happens if, heaven forbid, you have to get a divorce? Like, what happens to yourself? And I started thinking about language, and I started thinking about, you know, in other languages, they actually have different tenses for you. Because I can be talking to you, but I'm actually talking to y'all. So I started looking at that, and it's so interesting. The King James Version, it actually breaks down these tenses in language so that you can see the yous, or the y'alls, as you would say in the South, and the you. So we're gonna talk about that tonight because I was so interested to find that in Ephesians 4, there are so many references when he is talking about you, but he's actually talking about y'all. So what we're gonna dive into today, we're gonna go through a journey, and I wanna talk to you about who we were. And this is, think about who you were before you met Christ, who you were before you, you knew of a savior, before that change happened in your life. And it's so interesting. So turn with me to Ephesians 4. We're pretty much gonna be living there in verse 20, and I'm reading here from the Amplified Version. And we're gonna skip around in, in different parts of, of Ephesians 4, but we're pretty much gonna be living there. So it says in verse 20, but you did not learn so with Christ. And who he's talking to is he's talking to an individual. This is who we were. Think of, this is not y'all together, this is just you he's talking to but you did not learn so with Christ, assuming that you have really heard him and been taught by him as all truth in Jesus embodied and personified in him, strip yourselves of your former nature. So this is what we're supposed to do. Before, it's almost like we had old clothes that we were wearing that needed to be laundered. Once we take them off, we don't put them back on. That makes no sense. So put off and discard your old unrenewed self with characterize your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. Delusion is not truth, delusion is lies. So we're living like this. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new nature. Then it says in verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, don't offend him because he is our access to the Lord. And if we offend him, all of a sudden we have no access to the Lord. It says in verse 31, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, resentment, 
anger, animosity, and quarreling. Do you know what I see today? I see a lot of this. A lot of, this is what it says. It says quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, resentment, anger, animosity. This is what we were. We're not that anymore. We're not that anymore. And this is what it says in verse 32, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted and compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. So what we were before, we didn't get it. We lacked understanding, we lacked reasoning, we lacked knowledge, we were so ignorant. We were so ignorant, we did not get it. We were reckless, we didn't even care. This is who we were, we're not that anymore. And then we get into who we are. I was talking about Ephesians one and two, and if you go in, go in with this study and you look at every reference that there is of an I am. I am chosen. I am adopted as a daughter. And then look through both of those verses, one and two, Ephesians one and two, and then look for the I haves. These are things in your toolkit, things that you've been given. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I have been given redemption. I have received the Holy Spirit. These are things that I have. So these are tools in our toolkit. When I was looking at Hebrews 12, you know, context is important. Context tells us what's happening. So we can't just start in a verse. We have to get there. We have to actually go through the story. If you take one verse out of context, you know, you could be thinking that something is one way and it's actually not. And in Hebrews 11, it tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's like it's tangible, but you don't see it. And it it goes and defines these things, and it tells us that these clouds of witnesses that we're basing this whole weekend upon, they were actually the forefathers that came. They were the ones, Moses and, and Elijah and Samson and all of these people that came and they had their time to run the race. And they did so at great peril. And the thing that stuck out to me is they didn't set apart. You know, sometimes in my life, I, I reserve a part of myself because I know that there's gonna be one more thing. Something's gonna break. Ellis is gonna come downstairs and tell me he got his, his water all over everywhere or he's going to say, mommy, can you tuck me in? Can you sing me a song? And I'm gonna have to get out of my bed because I go to bed at the same time as him. I'm in bed. So I'm gonna have to get out of bed and I'm gonna have to go upstairs and I'm gonna have to sing Jesus Loves the Little Children with him because that's the only song that he knows. So I reserve a part of myself because I know that there might be more. And the thing that struck out for this cloud of witnesses is that They didn't. They didn't save a part of themselves. They didn't reserve it and say, this is mine. This is for me. They went after it. And even to torture and death, they gave it all. 
So this is the standard that's been set for us. The ones that ran their race. And I, I envision, I picture this, this stadium with all of these people that have come before us. And they're just, like we just went through that tunnel, they're, they're cheering us on and they've got their pom-poms and they're going, yeah! And they're, they're, their voice is probably like mine right now because me and Heather, man, we are getting after it. And you ladies, we're getting after it. But there was one after another and they're coming through and I'm like, yeah, and this is hurting my voice. But you know what? They didn't care. They just went after it. They gave it all. And this standard, this is the one that they talk about when they go through in Hebrews 12.1. And this verse, it says, therefore. So whenever you see a therefore in, in scripture, that means you got a lot of stuff that happened because they're talking about all the stuff that happened before because of that, therefore. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and the witnesses are the hearers of their faith and that they did not reserve anything for themselves, they gave it all, and they are cheering us on. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight and sin that so readily and cleverly clings to us and entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, you know, it's fine if you just attend sometimes and do a little something over here and whatever. The Bible actually says that, that lukewarm Christianity, God wants to spit you out of his mouth. It's like when you're diving into a pool, are you one of the ones that you like wade in with your feet and you're like, okay, here's the steps in the pool. Okay, I got one step in. Okay, this is pretty uncomfortable. Okay, okay. Oh, man. He, that's not what it says. It says he wants you to go. He wants you to dive in so that when you're in, you're completely submerged. That's what he's talking about. That's what the standard is that they set for us, this great cloud of witnesses. I think about the times today and the world that we live in. And you know what I see? I see what we're missing. And do you know what it is? There's a maturing that's not happening. I've ran across this phrase, maybe you've heard it. It's called kidult. Have you heard that before? It's an adult that refuses to grow up. And they have the tendency to have like toys that children would play with. But the other, the other definition that I came across was that they're parents that refuse to parent and adults that refuse to adult. I don't understand. What would happen with my daughter? She's 12 and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna need you to, for the rest of your life, just do it. What? You want me to do it by myself? 
yeah, you're old enough, it's fine, just go. It's good. There's a, there's a serious lack of maturity that I'm seeing, and, and look at social media. Like, do you see love? Do you see Christians that are just sharing love, and they're speaking love? And even if I disagree with you, I still love you. Do you see that? Do you feel that? I was reading some stats, and it was talking about, you know, I'm in healthcare, I work at interim healthcare, and they have this behavioral health um, EMR thing, and I was watching stats, and it said one in three adults is suffering from depression. One in three. Can you believe that? And so I'm thinking, what's, what's the solution for this? Because this seems to be a problem. You know, it's just kind of not something that we should go, we should probably address this. And I realized that People don't, they don't, they're not in the word. They're not firmly founded in them. They don't know who the Lord is and they don't know how we're supposed to be us together. And what we're missing is actually something that is so vital to us that's not happening. That is why we are here today. So let's look at that. In Ephesians 4, verse 1, It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you and beg you, beg you to walk and lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called. All of these words here, they're individual. He's not talking to us as a collective. He's not talking to anybody else. He's talking to you, yourself. This is something you personally take responsibility. This isn't something we do together. So it says, worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness with patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. This is you, this is not us, this is you. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. Because there is only one body and one Spirit, in the, just as there is also one hope that belongs to the calling you received. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who's above all, sovereign over all, pervading all the living in us all. Yet grace... This is how it's defined, God's unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. It was unmerited. He said, you, you get my favor. You right there. This is something individually given to us. Was given to each of us individually, not indiscriminately, but in different ways in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and bounteous gift. So what it says here is I individually, me, myself, I hear and I learn and I'm taught by Christ. This is your responsibility. This is not us together. It is your responsibility to read your Bible. It is your responsibility to hear from the Lord. It is your responsibility to seek after the Lord. This is your responsibility. This is not us, this is you. I don't live like I used to before I knew Christ. All of those things that we were just reading about how we don't do them, we don't do them anymore. We went feet first in 
full on. We are completely submerged. We are not lukewarm. I don't do those things that I used to do. I take the old ways off like dirty clothes and I don't put them on again. And instead, I put on new clothes, this new renewed mind that the Lord gives me. And daily, that renewal helps me to understand how to be like Christ. And I reject the lies and I'm done with them. And I embrace, not grieve, not offend the Holy Spirit. And I am useful and helpful and kind. These are things that you individually are responsible for. Not us together. You individually. Are you hearing me, guys? Who's responsible for these things? Yes. So then... In Ephesians 11, 411, excuse me, we're all in four. It talks about who we are together. Now it switches the narrative and it talks about us. All of the yous are actually y'alls. So as I read this, I'm gonna try and say y'all every time it says you, but golly, it's gonna be good. Ephesians 411 says, and his gifts were varied. So it talks about his gifts. And who's he talking to? Y'all. Do you know what that tells me? His gifts are for the body of Christ. They're for the building up together. They're not for you individually. They're not for you individually. Did you hear what I said? He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospels, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock and teachers. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people. So what was the purpose of this? To equip us all. So your gifts are not only for, not you, it's for all of us, but therefore the maturing. So what was not happening in the world where people are refusing to mature, that's what this is. We come together, all of us, and bring the gifts that the Lord has given us for the service of the body. I don't know if you've ever just even thought about this, but I see so many people in isolation right now. And I see so many that are not, they're not making the attempt to be in fellowship. And guys, can I tell you, it breaks my heart because we serve a God that we were created by a team it said, let us make them in our image when we were created, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The team, the community, they created us. Why on earth would it ever occur to us that we should do this on our own? Does that just blow your mind? I was, I was looking at this, 
I was preparing some notes actually at work and it's so interesting. I, I just, I geek out about psychology because it geeks me out when I see that psychology actually like complements scripture and I'm like, no. And um, we were reading this book, um, Boundaries for Leaders, about, it's from Henry Cloud. And he said that our brains are wired for two things. So interesting. He said our brains are wired for love and for the assertion of our will, or not our will, the assertion of ourselves in service of a goal. That's what it was, in service of a goal. So what does that mean? It means that we were made for relationships, for connection, for love, but on the other side, we were also made to do and to, to work and to be productive and to have purpose. So you have two of these and I see, I see a lot of us, we do one really well or we don't do the other and there's not a balance there. And do you know what occurred to me? That sounds like faith and works because faith is our relationship with the Lord and works is a service that we do, the, the to-dos. And I was like, what? That's crazy. So our brains are actually wired for this connection that we need, for a love, and to actually do things. I joke with my husband because I don't know that I ever wanna retire. That sounds terrible. Like it does. I, I think, let's slow down. Like I think I, I would be all the way down for like a pace and like a, like a PRN thing where I'm not working like every day and like maybe not eight hours a day. Like I'd be fine with that. But what happens when like you wake up and you don't have really anything to do? Or like maybe you have a little bit to do, but it's like you could probably do it in an hour. So what happens? Do you get that thing done? No. <laughs> because you could do it like in an hour and like you have like way many hours. So like why would you need to do that right now? Faith and works, love and doing. And I look at this and I'm like, if our brains were actually made for this, then it's like, like God created us out of community to be in community and we're not complete, we don't mature unless we're all together. Do we make it a priority to do these things together? I think about my own life and you know, doing daily life with someone, they are all up in your business. They're like, you haven't checked in, are you alive? And I'm like, dude, I'm like doing stuff. But the thing is when you drop off the face of the planet, they notice because you're doing life together and you can't just go off on a crazy tangent because they will find you. <laughs> what a blessing. Oh, what a blessing. So let's continue on. So his intention was the perfecting and fully equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church, that it might develop. Do you see these maturing words? Are, is your mind blown right now? When I realized this and I was like, oh, they're talking to y'all. I don't do this individually. My responsibility is to get after the Lord, 
but I'm supposed to do it together with y'all. I'm supposed to have my quiet time, but we are supposed to use our gifts together. That it might develop until we all contain, attain oneness in the faith and in comprehension, in comprehension, we don't even comprehend the depth of this unless we're together. In comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. The measure of the stature of fullness. Do you see all of the mature, the full, all of these words that, that they, they almost denote that we are not the full picture. Does that make sense? That it doesn't happen. It's like we're missing something. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in him. So then we may no longer be children, tossed like ships to and fro between chance just gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. So when we're together, crazy is spotted very quickly. Because it says we may no longer be children tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of, of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. Those are lies. Those are things that are not in the Bible. They're not in the Bible. Lord will never give you more than you can handle. Um, mm, where? Where is, where is that in the Bible? He will absolutely <laughs> give you more than you can handle so that you can call out to the Lord and ask him for help. Why on earth? Oh my goodness. The, so these are the prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men. So these are prey, if we're, if we're by ourselves. Gamblers engage in every shifting form of trickery and inventing errors to mislead. Rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way, in all things, into him who is the head, even Christ the Messiah, the anointed one. Are you like blown, is your mind blown at all of the maturing words? Rather, let our lives, this is what it says, lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, let us grow up in every way, in all things, into him who is head. There's a completeness when we're together. <sighs> we'll never be truly complete unless, until we see Jesus face to face. But there's something that's not happening, guys. Unless we're together, challenging each other, iron sharpening iron. For because of him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, functions. There it is again, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. These are all action words. They're all engaging words. They're all words used for the shaping of something that it's not ready, it is not it is not made to be the same. It is made to be molded into the, into the image of Christ and this doesn't happen on its own. 
So this I solemnly say and testify in the name of the Lord as as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the heathens do in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls and the futility of their minds. So we, us, this body together, what do we do? We love, we grow, we mature, we build up, we steady. Those words that he used when he was talking about being tossed to and fro, being duped by false doctrine, being sold lies and misled. We steady each other. It is your responsibility to be in the word, to be founded, to know Jesus. But it is so easy for us to spot those things that are not doctrinally sound when we are together. We attain oneness, fullness, and completion with Christ. That's what it says. And it says our speech is a blessing. And we do not speak foul, polluting, evil, unwholesome, or worthless words because our words are used for the building, the building up of the body. And that is how it comes to maturity. We only speak what is good and what is beneficial and timely, what is fitting to the need and to the occasion. I wonder what this world would look like if we did this. I wonder what the world would see if we did this. What would they see? Would they see bickering? Or would they see love? Would they see a city on a hilltop? Or would they see infighting? There's only one banner, guys, and it's the banner of Jesus Christ. And all of us under it, we have to work together for the service of the body of Christ. We banish all bitterness, envy, wrath, and resentment, quarreling, slander, and malice because we choose to forgive each other, because God forgave us. Because if we don't forgive each other, God can't forgive us, and that sounds terrible. I need a lot of forgiveness. I need a lot of grace and I don't deserve it. So why on earth would I withhold it from you? I want you to think right now, when I was starting this message and I was thinking about, you know, all of the things that I do in my life and, and I think I've dealt with these things until I realized that I really haven't. And when it, we were starting this message series, I realized there's this person at work Oh, bless her heart. I love her. I love her. Oh, I love her. In Jesus' name. She's so condescending. And it's, it's hard because the problem is I see myself in her 
and she says things like I say them, and I sound like that. <sighs> and I realized, like, years, like, I've been an interim for 15 years, and years of just, I hadn't forgiven her. And you know what I had to do? I had to stop right there. Because if I don't forgive her, the Lord can't forgive me. And I will not give her that power. Are you giving someone power that you shouldn't be giving them? And they're the person that you're so annoyed with and you're giving them this power. Right? So we banish all bitterness. Take it off. We don't even let a bitter root grow inside of us because that steals our joy. Because weeds don't grow, or flowers, sorry, weeds do grow. <laughs> they sure do grow. <laughs> don't let the weeds grow though. <laughs> it's one thing for a seed to land on the soil, but it's quite another for you to water it <laughs> and give it fertilizer <laughs> and move all of the healthy plants so that this bitterness can grow. We banish it, we take that seed out and we throw it in the trash, burn it. We banish all bitterness, envy and wrath, resentment, quarreling, slander and malice because we forgive one another as God forgave us. So what's the point guys? Like why we gotta do all this? Like this sounds like a lot of work. Can I tell you this year, since we have two campuses, the theme of my life has been collaboration. And I love people. I love the body of Christ. My heart cry, my, my prayer of my life in my soul is that the Lord would build his church. <sighs> build your church, Lord. Build it. That you, saints, would be equipped for the service of the body of Christ. That you would be an army with swords sharpened, holding the sword, knowing it, knowing the truth, to extinguish the enemy so that the gates of hell would not prevail. That is the cry of my soul. This is the point, guys. It says in John 17, John 17, 21, that they would all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also would be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you sent me. They are not gonna believe us if we are fighting, if we are saying bad things about each other and blah. You're the worst. No, you're the worst. Your political opinions are terrible. Blah. <laughs> Jesus died for them too. Can we agree to disagree if we don't find common ground? Let's agree on Jesus. Let's agree on Jesus. And let's, let's read the Bible and let's adhere to the truth. Just the truth. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's just adhere to the truth. Because we all have common ground in that. 
and more and more, if you get anything, if you get anything, I want you to know that things don't happen unless I dig personally in the word, me, individually. It's my responsibility. But I constantly am ingesting truth. This is my work. This is what I have to do. And until I am a part of we. Until I am we. I'm not me. Just going off on my own. I use my, my gifts for the service of the body. I am we. We're gonna be doing this Bible study. Band, if you wanna come up. We're gonna be doing this Bible study and it's called Find Your People by Jeannie Allen. And in reading this study, I became very aware that this idea of Christian community is just not happening. We don't know how to have relationships with each other. We don't know what that looks like. And I think for the most part, we're putting people in places that only God should be. I have many friends that are so good at so many different things. And this idea of a best friend, someone that meets the qualifications of Jesus and that never lets me down. What? We go into these relationships with the idea that this person is never gonna fail me, this person is never gonna let me down. And there's a newness at the beginning, you know? There's not that history, that richness of you let me down and I'm mad about it. That's not what it's supposed to be like. Because this maturing that happens, it happens because they offended you. And then you forgave them. And then you both learned from it. And you both grew and matured. And you didn't unfriend them. You didn't unlike their posts. You didn't reject their everything. Cut them off, canceled them. Because we're supposed to forgive each other, right? That's what it said. Bear with each other. Bear with one another's burdens. That's what it says. And there's a richness that we're lacking because we don't do this. And I am convinced that if we did this, if we were committed not to one person like we're committed to Jesus, but we're committed to the thought of doing life as Christ would have us do it. That the goal of relationships is not actually you're going to give something to me. It's actually I'm going to build you up. Cause that's what it said. In the service of building up the body, the goal of these relationships was never about you. The gifts were for us together. Do you see them saying, oh, oh, that, that is for you. It's only for you, that gift that the Lord gave you. And, you know, just keep it. Hide your light under a bushel. Oh no, we gonna let it shine. So we're gonna do this study 
it's gonna be after October 13th, I think it's on the 20th that it starts, and you'll have an opportunity to sign up for it in October. But what I want you to get this weekend is there's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why we're in this situation that we're in. And I think more often than not, we don't do we well. You know? We gotta learn how to do that. We gotta learn to bear with each other. Let's pray, guys. Father God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this body. Father, I thank you that you don't leave us alone, even when we don't deserve to be walked through these choices that we make that isolate us, Lord. These ways that we've been living, Father, that don't honor you. Lord, you're patient with us. And you wait day by day to put your finger on something and to call it yours. And Lord, I pray right now, Father, as we sing this last song, Lord God, that you would put your finger on something. Lord God, we invite you into this place. We invite you to change us, to show us how to do we show us what relationships look like in your word. Healthy ones that bear with each other. Lord God, we invite you to have your way in our lives. And Father God, if there's any unforgiveness, Lord God, I pray that you would bring it to our minds. Lord God, I pray that you would show us, Father, where have, where have we not forgiven someone? Where have we fallen short? Where can we ask for forgiveness? And Lord God, let us repent, Lord God. That means we change our mind. We determine that that thing we were doing, we're not doing it anymore. We renew our mind and we put on this new us, this, this version of us that you say we are. Because only you can do that. Lord God, we invite you into this space. We ask you to have your way. Oh God, have your way. Let us know you, Lord God. Give us a passion for you. Show us, Father, where we fit in this body, where we fit for your kingdom. What would you have us do? Where would you have us serve? Who have you made us to be? And Lord God, we receive you and we thank you. Truly, Lord God, you have been so good to us. We don't deserve your forgiveness. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your provision and your protection. We don't deserve the people that you've placed in our lives to show us who you are. We don't deserve any of that, Lord. But Father, you think differently. You died on the cross so that we could be together. And you are not content, Lord God, to sit on the sidelines, Father, but you engage us, you walk with us. 
You show us, you teach us. Open our ears to hear, open our hearts to understand. Let us be fertile ground, Lord God, that we would receive you. Oh, that we would receive you with gladness. Father, pour out your spirit in this place. And Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor in this place. Oh, for only you are worthy. Only you are worthy. Jesus, bless these women to hear you, to hear what you say, to know who they are. In Jesus' name, amen.